horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us again for another week of race action. We're going to be breaking it down here on Winning Ponies. And I brought out the champ uh, to help us break down uh, pick four at Belmont Park. What a day they are going to have over there. I believe it's called Stars and Stripes Day. But uh, at Belmont Park, we're looking at a Breeders' Cup winning your in, the Belmont Sprint Championship. We're also going to review the Belmont Oaks Invitational, the Suburban Handicap. It's the 131st running of the Suburban. And then it is the Belmont Derby Invitational. Obviously, three-year-olds and none better than the 2015 Handicap Champion, Jonathan Kinchin, to uh, handicap with us. You know, this guy's made a lot of money handicapping horses, and hopefully he's going to turn you on to some wins, too. And then uh, we're going to have, prior to uh, Jonathan, we're going to have another John, and that is none other than John Kenton Court. Uh, John Kenton Court is one of the classiest guys uh, you will ever meet in racing. And, uh, you know, they say stick to your knitting and dance with the one that brung you. Well, uh, John Court, uh, who's won thousands of races, this week recorded his 600th win at the Pea Patch. That's what they nickname Ellis Park as uh, they grow soybeans on the in the infield there at Ellis Park. Uh, but John's overcome a series of, of injuries. I believe he's 56 right now. And he uh, just continues to ride winners, uh, you know, mostly on the Kentucky circuit. He's just a really class act. So we're going to talk to him and kind of take a look back, not that he's ending his career, but just to see what got him where he is. And I can tell you one thing, it is his class. Well, uh, we will review the results of the races I handicapped with uh, Brian Zipsy. And hats off to Brian if you're listening. What a week you had last Saturday. Uh, of course, good racing all over the place. And so to help you, come to winningponies.com and pull down our easy win forms. And uh, it's as easy as that. Just go over to the site, uh, pick the track you want, the races you want, and you've got it right in your lap. Of course, uh, we're going to have Belmont there. We had uh, a a good day on the third, a $2 pick six that paid $3,563. And then up the road at uh, Finger Lakes in the middle of New York, very pretty little place, a $1 super key paid $3,694. And just days after that, at the Finger, as we like to call it, upstate New York, a $6,124 super. And we did go north of the border with our handicapping last week with the Queen's Plate. And if you did play the Woodbine card, we came away with a $1 super key that paid $6,846. So, winning ponies. 
It's as easy as easy win. Now, don't forget, this is a great big weekend at Prairie Meadows. And so coming up uh, tomorrow is their grade three Prairie Meadows Derby, just one of the great races that's going to be going on in the next couple of days. And uh, the uh, the Iowa Derby, grade three, carries a quarter of a million. Again, this race is going to be on Friday through some guys that you don't normally see, I'm sure, at Prairie Meadows. Uh, Julian Leparu uh, will be in for trainer Ian Wilkes to ride McCormick in this race. Now, McCormick has won back-to-back starts, a maiden special on a sloppy Churchill, and then stretching out to a mile. The uh, Iowa Derby's a mile and a 16th. So this uh, is a now horse. Le Peru was on for both of those wins, and he decided to make the trip out west. So McCormick's got to be considered a, a legitimate contender. Another horse that's made uh, quite a trip all the way from New York. It is Dale Romans coming in with Peter Pan, third place finisher. Impressive edge, of course, uh, timeline that came out of the race has already come back and won another stake. This horse was fourth in the Florida Derby behind a nice little horse by the name of Always Dreaming. You may recall he won the Kentucky Derby. So Robbie Alvarado in from Kentucky to ride impressive edge in the Iowa Derby. And then also probably on the plane with him will be Corey Landry. He's going to be aboard Triple Crown nominated Thirst for Life, um, who's competed in several graded stakes races. Seems to be a bit off form, but hey, Mark Cassie's been so hot lately, can't throw him out. He's listed at 10 to 1. And at 5 to 1, a guy coming in from the other coast, Mike Smith will be at Prairie Meadows, and he has a horse by the name of Hence, trained by Hall of Famer Steve Asmussen. This horse, as you may recall, uh, ran in both the uh, Derby and the Preakness Stakes after winning the Sunland Derby. Didn't run too good in the Derby or Preakness, uh, but uh, we'll find out. Mike Smith isn't traveling to Prairie Meadows just for the fun of it. Also, Another race that we won't be handicapping, but you're going to want to check out at Delaware Park. It's the Delaware Oaks. Now, this race is Saturday, grade three, 300,000 on the line. And the lightly race, though very accomplished actress, will be breaking from the outside. It's a small field, though, only a half a dozen. Actress, you may recall, won the black-eyed Susan very impressively up by a head. Nick Juarez was in the saddle. He will be on Saturday in the Delaware Oaks. Another gray offspring of Tappet winning graded stakes races. The Oaks is a grade three. You also want to keep an eye on Tis Well, who, believe it or not, is favored over the black-eyed Susan winner. This horse has been keeping some awfully good company. Ran second to Unique Bella uh, earlier in the year in the Santa Yez Stakes, and then uh, won the Honey Bee at Oaklawn, and that race has produced numerous stakes winners, including uh, Benner Island and uh, uh, probably four other horses. They Just uh, some really good ones. Someday Soon, who went on to run third the Ashland, and after that won a stake uh, at Belterra Park. And then um, this horse coming out of the uh, Summer Oaks, a grade two. So I'd have to say on graded stakes experience and earnings, it tis well is deemed the one to beat. And again, that's the Delaware Oaks. So a lot of great racing on tap this weekend. So pull down those easy win forms. But at Belmont, you're going to have a lot of multi-race uh, wagers. So uh, don't forget that the Pizza Man, 
He's going to be in the Stars and Stripes up at Arlington Park. Uh, he's eight years old now, hasn't won yet this year, but you just can't uh, you can't give up on him. you got to know that uh, it was uh, he that won the Arlington Million two years ago over this same turf course. So the pizza man will be running. And fans of Rachel Alexandra will be rooting on Dolphus in the Cornhusker. Uh, he's four years old now. Uh, he's gone from Joe Sharp to Jimmy Jerkins. Last two starts, he was a handy winner. Uh, first over optional claiming uh, company at Allowance. And then just missed by a neck to Shaman Ghost, who will be on a big stage at Belmont uh, this weekend. Of course, this son of looking unlucky. Uh, he's got a big uh, following. He is a half-brother to Rachel Alexandra. So, again, a lot of good racing there. Uh, You will be seeing a new trainer for Muba Tahij, if I am saying that correctly. He is now going to the barn of Bob Baffert. You recall, uh, he's he's a Group 2 winner. He won the UAE Derby, but that was 2015. Uh, Hasn't done too much since then. Uh, After his uh, World Cup tries, uh, he came back over and was turned over to Karen McLaughlin, ran in three graded stakes races. Uh, You know, he ran a third in the Suburban, fourth in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Just missed by a head behind Shaman Ghost in the Woodward Stakes at Saratoga, but it looks like Bob Baffert will be calling the shots for this horse whose name I cannot pronounce, (laughs) so we'll find out. Some not-so-good news coming out of Georgetown, Kentucky, and that is from our friends at Old Friends. Tell us that Tinner's Way, multiple grade one winner and the last colt born of the great secretariat, has died at the age of 27. You may recall that uh, he was bred and owned by Judmont Farm. Uh, he was by Secretariat out of the minstrel mare, Devana Diva. He began his career with that bottom line uh, in Europe, and he won three of his seven starts in England and France, including the City of York Stakes and the Milcars Temple Fortune Stakes as a three-year-old. In the U.S. as a four-year-old, Tenor joined California-based Bobby Frankel's barn. And with that Hall of Famer, he won the Grade 1 Million Dollar Pacific Classic, in 1995, beating Hall of Famer Best Pal and posted a record equaling mile and a quarter, 159 and two. Tinner's way in a repeat victory in the Pacific Classic where he beat Breeders' Cup Classic champion Concern. So, Michael Blowen, uh, very uh, sad to see him go, but uh, as his original owner said, you know, living to be 27 and going out the way he did. But not too bad. Hats off to Buff Bradley. He ended up getting his 500th training win. And in the saddle, veteran Calvin Burrell. That, too, down at the Pea Patch in Ellis Park. And our jockey of the week, Robbie Alvarado. I hope you were tuned in to uh, Churchill Downs the other evening. I know I went in on a pick six with my buddy Steve Pearson, of course. We landed four out of six and were beating a dirty neck with a six to one shot uh, in in one of the races. But uh, he won the feature race of the night, which was the Bashford Manor Stakes. We'll we'll bring that up. Kenning McPeak, the trainer, and then uh, McPeak and Alvarado teamed up in the hundred thousand dollar debutante stakes with an Animal Kingdom filly, and uh, finally uh, Limousine Liberal won the uh, Kelly's Landing Stakes. So congratulations to Robbie Alvarado.
Okay, let's uh, take a look at last week's races that we handicapped here on Winning Ponies. My friend Brian Zipsy, he was good. All right, well, he said Holy Helena was the one to beat in the Queen's Plate, and she was. It was a three-year-old, lightly-raced filly beating the boys. She was an easy winner. Frank Stronach owned both the Sire and the Dam. She got a dream trip. And uh, so, Holy Helena, it looks like she's not going to go against the boys next time out. They say she's going to probably pass in the Prince of Wales. And uh, But in the second spot was the one of the upset horses that Brian Zipsy said, Tis a Slam, went off at 8-1. to one. And if you liked Brian's pick, you came away with a $59.90 exacta. Thank you, Brian Zipsy. Okay, then we went to Monmouth Park. For the 64th running of the United Nations, and Brian's pick, six-year-old, sent away at 10 to 1, was Bigger Pitcher. you got to go back and watch this. It was the 11th race at Monmouth Park, and uh, uh, Joe Bravo just gave an unbelievable job. Was waiting, 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 and then at the right second as they came out of the turn, zipped down to the uh, rail and just... Surprised everybody. Uh, he was last into the turn, but he wasn't going to give up the rail. Ducked in, and, and he held off a hard-charging, can't-help-believe-in the Irish bread, who was 11-to-1. But Brian Zipsy gives us that one, $23.40. I want to thank him for being on the show. We've had some good cappers lately. Uh, Pearson and Brian Zipsy giving us a bunch of winners. And then the Mother Goose Steaks, well... Brian liked Unchained Melody, and so did everybody else who bet him down to two to one, only making her fourth lifetime start for Brian Lynch. Went wire to wire. Joel Rosario, that was his third win on the card. He had a very good Saturday at Belmont Park. So Unchained Melody puts the grade two Mother Goose on her resume. In the second spot was almost equally favored Lockdown, who was third in the Kentucky Oaks, and in the third spot was Maona at 7-1. to one. Then uh, at Churchill Downs, it was a good card on closing night. Again, Robbie Alvarado absolutely killing him, uh, but the highlighted race was the grade three Bashford Manor, and the winner in there, a horse that Kenny McPeak told me was scary. He said, this is the fastest horse I've ever trained, John. And the horse was 10 City. 10 City, Kenny picked out of the sale for $12,000. That's what he does. He goes to the sales and he gets some good ones. Uh, 10 City just took the lead on the turn, moved out to the forepath and held on uh, by a length and a half over Copper Bullet, who many people thought was the horse to beat. Uh, Copper Bullet uh, kind of got into a, a bit of a pace challenge there, was on the lead most of the way, and it was kind of weird. It was steadied a bit on the turn and kind of dropped back and then came back on. Uh, but uh, definitely Copper Bullet from the Asmussen Barn will be one to watch. And uh, about six and three-quarter lengths back was hard work, clean living, 
in the Bashford Manor. And as stated earlier, uh, in the debutante stakes, it was sunny sky. So uh, Robbie and uh, Kenny teaming up for some nice wins. Again, I want to thank uh, Brian Zipsy for coming on with us and giving us a slew of winners. I'm sure later in the card, Jonathan Kinchin will do just the same. But until then, on the show that features three Johns, we're going to take a little bit of a break. and we come back, we're going to talk to one of my favorite jocks in the world, none other than John Kenton Court. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, as I told you earlier in the show, we're going to have John Kenton Court with us. Uh, he uh, was originally from Florida, uh, began riding in Colorado at a place that doesn't race anymore, Centennial Park. Then he took the Louisiana route, moved to Kentucky, and uh, was very successful in the Kentucky and Indiana. And then, uh, I, rumors have it, Doug O'Neill said, you got to come out to California for a while. I remember watching the uh, that uh, show they had on for a while. Uh, jockeys, you'd get a glimpse of John there, uh, coming in and out of the jocks room and being part of the show. And, but, uh, you know, ev- everybody uh, kind of has a niche, and it seems like... Uh, one niche that John's developed over uh, his years is he's got a huge comfort zone at Ellis Park, where earlier in the week he recorded his 600th career win at Ellis Park. Not in his career, his 600th win at Ellis Park. Well, they say there's horses for courses. John Court, you're the jockey for the course. Well, thank you, John. <laughs> That's very nice. I mean, uh You've won numerous titles down there. What is it about you getting in the zone at Ellis Park? 
Well, I enjoy Ellis Park, and uh, the horsemen are good to me, and I have a lot of support, whether it be the horsemen and the fans and just uh, the racing uh, as a whole. I like being at that particular track. I'm close to home, and it's just a place I enjoy to be. So with all that coming together, I'm able to have a, a proportional amount of success. Well, I would think so. I mean, uh, six times you've won the, uh, the, the the title at Ellis Park, and you're the only jockey in the history of the track to win five straight years. Okay. Well, that's that's great news. I didn't know. I thought there might be another rider, but uh, maybe it wasn't five in a row. Yeah, I got five in a row. Well, I get all my information from Jenny Reese, and if I get it from Jenny, I believe in it. So she's Absolutely. she's great. I, I think you guys are blessed to have her down there uh, as your PR person. I mean, she's, uh, I believe she's got five Eclipse Awards on her mantle the last time I was at her house. I think that's how many uh, I, I counted. But, you know, I, I get all of her uh, her press releases, and uh, she wrote a really nice one uh, shortly after uh, you got your 600th. Of course, you've won over 4,000, and uh, she did a, a little interview with you, but a lot of people don't get the press releases, so if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of redo the interview and let you state here on Winning Ponies uh, your answer. So uh, I'm working off a sure. press release, and you know, last year, you suffered a fractured rib and missed the first part of the Ellis meet, but still wound up eighth in the standings with 16 wins. This year, you come into Ellis off a pretty good meet at Churchill Downs. Yeah, I come into Churchill, and the business has been good, and I uh, have been interviewed by Jeannie Reese. Everybody loves her, at least I like to think so, that all in Kentucky, uh, yeah, we always enjoy having her a part of the racing program, and uh, she's really good for racing, and uh, it's always a pleasure dealing with Jeannie. And you too, John, by the way. So, um, <laughs> yeah, everything's are looking forward. And if I just uh, stay healthy and keep going, we're looking for a great summer. Well, as you know, I'm no spring chicken. And, uh, you know, but but I, I this uh, sport, the, the job and the things I do keep me exhilarated. And I really feel that uh, uh, age is, you know, it's not a timeline. It's a matter of attitude and how you take care of yourself. <laughs> Jenny did point out that, you know, that you've been riding for D. Wayne Lucas. And uh, if for some reason you would be riding for him in the Kentucky Derby, uh, you, you guys uh, together would have a combined 139 years of experience. Uh, I'm guessing you don't feel your age. No, uh, but it, it is a topic that comes up this day and time. Uh, I do hear about it a lot, but uh, you said it right there. It's just uh, a matter of how you feel in your heart and you um, keep yourself healthy and just be prepared. And that's what I do. And, you know, I love what I'm doing. So at the time being, it's, things are going really nice right now. Well, you know, you think about it, you know, and you look at your contemporaries, uh, Mike Smith and, and Gary Stevens. Uh, it's about yeah. fitness. It's about diet. And I think it's about mental attitude. Yeah, I think uh, mental attitude has a lot to do with it, and that kind of keeps uh, the fitness and the diet, which actually dieting is kind of a way of life with me. It's not the struggle it was through my 20s, but I've just gotten to the point where it's just I know what to do and what I need to do, and I'm always anxious and eager to learn more, but at the same time, uh, uh, I do uh, keep everything uh, where it needs to be to keep this career going, keep my health good and family happy. 
Well, uh, the the next question you were asked was, at this point of your career, how much is brains and how much is physical skill and how has that changed from, say, 30 years ago? Well, that's a good question. Um, I've been asked that before and what I would like to stress is I think uh, um, at this stage, uh, I work out a little different by far more, actually, not a little, but than I did in, in my younger career stage. But uh, a lot of it's mental, and um, that that's something you've always got to keep sharp and alert and, and be ready for action. Every time you load into that gate, especially, I mean, you've got to be just as quick with your responses and the mental alert. And, and all I can say is you better hope the physical part is right there to back you up. And I've always taught my sons, if you condition yourself, your body, you know, it'll, it'll be there. It'll respond as you train it. And that's how my theory and my philosophy, and um, I keep a, a good spiritual balance and, and with the mental balance and the physical, well, I'm ready to perform and show up with my A game on a consistent basis. Well, uh, you know, what what is kind of a a day in the life of John Court? I mean, how do you prepare? Do you still go out in the mornings, uh, you know, to make, uh, you know, your your way with uh, the better trainers that put you up on the horses? And then how does the day evolve? Yeah, I'll back up a little here. Um, actually, a few days ago, I even went out and uh, spoke with a new trainer. Just moved in two days to um, uh, Ellis, and I worked a two-year-old. First time on the track, first time working. So I'm out there working with young riders that I actually knew him when he was a child. Now he's a grown man, and he's got a family or starting a family, and now he's starting a career. So I was out there and, and worked one of his two-year-olds He was that he had just recently brought in, and... Um, and then it bring you up to speed, uh, two days later here, I went out yesterday to do the training center. I uh, worked uh, there, and I didn't get out there till t- 10.30 in the morning. And then this morning I was up at, oh, I guess 5 or, or just right before 5, and it was storming. I mean, it was really a deluge coming down, and I was already communicating with my agent to see who was going and what was going on. But I had the coffee made and was ready out the door, and, and um got out there and I worked a bunch of horses uh Churchill down. So um I get out there are some mornings I have off. My agent watches out to keep me some fresh and not overdo it so I can perform adequately in the afternoon because I don't care how fit you are or healthy or young or whatever, um, you know, it's really tough to uh to go out there and just beat yourself up all morning long and then expect to be at your best in the afternoon. I mean, you can do that, but day in, day out, it's going to take its toll on you. So I try to keep a balance there, too, on my scheduling, and it's paid off for this uh, stage of my career that I still feel good and um, I'm capable to go out there and perform with the youngest guys. And I am the oldest guys. I can't say the older guys, but uh, you know, still having fun with it. So I don't want to get burnt out or sour, but I go out and I enjoy uh, getting on the horses for young trainers and new horses and the training centers for some of the trainers and the clients that I have out that, that way. And then my father-in-law, he's got a horse that uh, we're all excited about. And, um, you know, it's just uh, something that I, I work with my agent and my connections, and I do it on a day-to-day basis. And then when I have well, the time off, I, uh, you know, I find myself enjoying my family and my wife handing me a list. Hey, this uh, sink is dripping, fix the valve, <laughs> or the toilet's running, um, replace the entered so you know i'm a home home dad at the same time but you know and just like last year i got hurt but you know i take the kids out on the boat and we uh, have some fun and we do some things that uh, are family-based so i try to keep a balance in life it keeps it exciting 
That's great. Well, you know, uh, I try to keep my ear to the ground, and uh, uh, word is that uh, there was a pretty nice horse you worked this morning by the name of <laughs> Colonel's Dark Temper for Jinx Fires, and I hope to see you next Saturday at the Indiana Derby. Uh, can you give us a little inside information? Yeah, we're excited about the Derby. I don't have to hook up with McCracken, but again, I don't want to ever underestimate any of my competition so um uh he worked really well this morning and he's just getting sharp and i tell you what it just seems like every time i get on him you can really tell he's moving forward and i actually mentioned there are some mornings i get on him not only does he feel like he's moving forward but he's graduated to another level so with that it makes you light on your feet when you're going to the track to get on especially certain horses in the morning and then when you have a morning like this morning, when uh, he had such a powerful work and he did it well within himself, it just keeps you excited all day long. So uh, you just, well, I just um, wanna... really enjoy that part of it, that you still are able to uh, embrace these kind of interests that are in this stage of my career. So it keeps me going and pursuing the dream. So it's a lot of fun. All right, well, for our listeners, one more time, Colonel's Dark Temper is the name for the horse. I didn't see the time, but I just got the word that he worked really, really good this morning. Yeah, he worked a good time. <laughs> yeah, he's owned by A.J. Foyt, the race car driver. and the uh, He has the uh, A.J. Foyt racing franchise and trained by Jinx Fires, William H. Fires. And, uh, and our next uh, target is the Indiana Derby. Well, uh you know, I've always told people, you know, the different people I, I get to talk to and uh, that you've always just kind of exuded class to me, John. And uh, But you won the George Wolf Memorial Jockey Award. That was in 2007. I know it was a while ago, but that had to be a great honor because that's not about wins and money. Yeah, that's true. I felt really honored the fact that I was nominated and, you know, I just showed up out there and in California, but it doesn't matter where you are. That just being eligible and, and and nominated, and you're picked by their their committee. And uh, the fact that uh, that my peers voted me to win it over my um, other riders, uh, it's just a real honor, very humbling, and uh, a gracious thing to uh, experience. Now, earlier when you said your father-in-law, that is Jinx Fires from the legendary Fires yes. family, right? Yeah, Jinx Fires, yep. William H. Fires, his brother's early Fires, a Hall of Fame jockey. And I do believe the bloodline traces to one Scoot and Boot Perry Utes, <laughs> who's uh, That's right. the 11th leading rider in the history of this sport. So a lot of good yes. bloodlines there, John. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, um probably getting ready to close out this segment but uh as you look back on your career and you look forward to the next couple of years uh, what is it that you feel best about well um i I feel that i've been able to stay i've i've stayed longer than some that have uh, actually um reached higher levels than i have and um they're gone and it's just amazing i'm still riding on a regular basis and some of these guys that I actually looked up to them. They're, they're, uh, you know, they've already retired, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm still here at my age. And there's some younger guys as, who I'm referring to as well as some of the older guys. But uh, I think that um, I used to emulate uh, certain top riders. And when I say top riders, it's kind of funny because uh, Pat Day was not the, the popular rider at the time. I 
I still have some things that are ingrained in me from Don Brumfield. You know, I still take a deeper seat. I mean, you can tell down the backside when you look at the head-on of a film, you're going to see I sit lower in the saddle. And when you see the pan shot, you're going to see that I still have a bit of old-school style to me. And I don't sit as perched. So I still have some of the things that are ingrained in me from some of the old timers that are that exist to this day and i'm still staying with it and it works for me i've tried to emulate some of the new style of riding and some degree i've incorporated in my style but uh you need to go with what works and what i'm comfortable and how i feel like i communicate with each and every individual horse that i ride so uh those are some of the things i like and um you know and i appreciate it uh that i can um still move forward in my career as uh with the success I've been experiencing. And we appreciate the fact that John Court was able to spend some time with us this evening on Winning Ponies. One of the classiest guys I ever met, and I'm serious. I look forward to seeing you Saturday at Indiana. All right, John. Thank you very much, and anytime. It's always a pleasure when it comes to dealing with you. Always (laughs) enjoyed it. Always enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. We were talking to John Court. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with the next john jonathan kinchin who's going to help us break down the belmont card you're listening to winning ponies the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, the 2015 National Handicapping Champion Tour winner, Jonathan Kinchin, who uh, we had on oh, a couple months after he won the championship. I haven't had him on uh, since, but I, I've been watching on DRF the Out of the Gate segments and who pops up, but Jonathan Kinchin, I'm like, oh, 
I got to get this guy back on the show. Not only is he a good handicapper, but he, he makes a, a nice impression on air, kind of picks a spot and gives us a, some handicapping uh, on the out of the gate segment uh, with my friends uh, Dan Illman and Matt Bernier. Uh, you know, actually, that, that's how Matt got exposed. Uh, they watched him on Horse Players, and he, he won a bunch of national handicapping championships, or not a bunch, but he won a lot of different handicapping contests and uh all of a sudden the form said hey let's scoop this guy up so now they've scooped up jonathan kinchin to be part of the team hey thanks for being with us hey thanks for having me i appreciate it it's always uh always fun to get on and talk about horses uh with whoever will listen well we we got a few people about forty thousand. uh so and anyhow uh, jonathan let's rewind and uh, since it's been a while since I've had you on, and tell people how you first kind of got introduced to sport and, you know, what it was about that challenge of handicapping that made you want to play the game. Yeah, my, my dad, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth. My dad used to take me to Lone Star Park all the time, and I found out that if I told him I wanted to bet an exacto box, he'd give me 20 bucks. And I learned that I, I better start figuring out what I'm doing. My dad's no handicapper at all. He's the guy in front of you in line betting off the screen, and, and uh, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to bet your, uh, your pick six ticket, and he's up there betting his address. But uh, he introduced me to the game. Um, I started kind of getting interested. Uh, the, the real moment that it turned for me was uh, I was in college at Austin, Texas. I drove over to Maynard Downs, bet $5 across the board on Giacomo in the 2005 Kentucky Derby. He, he uh, paid 100 bucks. I had about $500. The next day, I bought Steve Davidowitz's book, Betting Thoroughbreds in the 21st Century. And it's all been kind of, uh, not downhill, but uphill since then. All right. Now, again, I got to rewind. What possessed you to bet Giacomo? Because nobody ever heard of him after the Kentucky Derby. That was, uh, he just came from out of nowhere and then disappeared. I had nothing. I, I bet a lot of the Fleet Alex uh, with the other $85 I took to the track. The other 15 was just left over. I remember my dad's friend, Johnny White, saying he liked Giacomo. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just bet five across the board on this horse. And it happened to be the only bet that I cashed. All right, so that was your, you know, toe-in-the-water point. Uh, w- was there a gap there? But then all of a sudden you said, hey, you know, I think I got a mind to play this game, and I'm going to try to get a little more serious about it. No, yeah, there wasn't really a gap. I was playing, but... You know, I was in college, right? So I, a hundred here, forty here was was uh, was was sometimes painful. It required me to call dad and tell him I had to get a quote unquote book for class, and then he'd send another fifty, and then we'd, we'd see what we could turn the fifty into. Once I finally <laughs> graduated um, and had a real job, I started playing a little bit more. Uh, a friend of mine, and still today, business partner in, in real estate here in Austin, we went to the to the uh, two thousand and ten Belmont. And that day, I hit the uh, pick four for $84,000 um, on a $192 ticket. And that wow. was kind of the, that was my, to be honest with you, that was my learning money. That's the money that I was able to kind of play a little bit more freely, a little bit more often, a little bit more aggressively. And that's where I really kind of cut my teeth and, and, and kind of developed my game that, that I still evolved every day. I, I still change things that I do on a day-to-day basis. So, uh, but that was kind of the moment that put me, uh, kind of pushed me over the cliff. Well, well, Jonathan Kinchin, that, that was an, another question I had for you because we all do evolve as handicappers. I was lucky I had a mentor, uh, my older brother that worked at Saratoga. That you know, So uh, reading the raisin form, I probably read more of those than I did textbooks in high school. Um, w- how did you evolve into 
looking at a race? I mean, are there things you specialize in or are things that you zero in right away to either eliminate or enhance your selections? Well, I think what I learned at a pretty, well, pretty early on is that the favorites that win, whatever you look at, whatever I look at, whatever Joe Smo looks at, usually those things will point to those favorites. And so, so those are, aren't too difficult to find. Now, you'll get better at identifying when is the right time to bet those horses. I think what I, what I eventually evolved, in, it was getting beat by horses, getting beat by eight-to-one shots and asking myself, how did that horse win? Oh, he added blinkers and he was cutting back. And then I would start to notice horses that were adding blinkers and cutting back. And then you start to notice, essentially, you design races and try to figure out how this horse can win. And if you can convince yourself there's a compelling enough argument based on the information that you use, that's how you can find horses that are 8-to-1, 9-to-1, 10-to-1. Um, but it takes a lot of experience just playing, you know. I, I mean, I, I always tell people if you're playing, the, the $2 win place tournaments are great starting points because you can play for $6 a day, but you're, you're involved in nine races. It's hard to be involved in nine races paramutually with just $6. So there's a way to kind of stay engaged um, see what other people are picking. You know, you're playing a guy who wins, and you notice that he had a, a seven horse that paid $28. Well, how did that seven horse win? And so, you know, it's just like anything else to me. I think it's it's just a lot of participation and, and learning and, and listening and asking questions and uh, doing what people are doing. They're listening to the show right now. I listen to as many podcasts as I possibly can. You know, I, I, even, listen, I even listen back to our podcast to make sure that I can hear what, what you know, my, my co-host Pete Fornatel has to say if I would have missed it, you know, when we were, when we were doing the show. So I think just kind of expanding your horizons and don't be, don't be stuck to one thing. Don't be the guy that, that says, well, this is what I've always done. Try out new products, look at new things, read tutorials. And uh, I think you'll, you'll pick up a lot of different angles along the way that can help. Well, you know, it, it is an ever-expanding world. It's it's almost uh, information overload at, at, at some points. Uh, and so my next question for you is, um, when you're looking to go to pick a day, to, to go to the races, are, are you looking at pick fours, pick threes, trifectas, exactas, or all of the above? Um, I prefer multi-race bets. Unfortunately, in a lot of the tournaments, you're, you're kind of forced to play more exactas and tries. And, and, and it's, a, it's a club in my bag. It's a tool in my box. But I'm more comfortable playing um, the multi-race bets. And here's the reason why. Uh, when I was experimenting, which we all, I'm sure we all have, with different gambling games, it's part of the reason we like this game so much. And I noticed one of the things I hated about betting sports was the line made your interest and the team's interest not aligned. And I hated that. I hated that I needed the, the Warriors to win by seven, but they could give a darn about my seven points. They just wanted to win the game. And I, I noticed that the same, <laughs> my handicapping comfort zone is the same thing. A lot of guys don't wake up in the morning and go to the paddock, and the owner says, look, take back and run third. It happens, right? But they're always trying to find a way to win. And I find it's much more... It's much easier to predict the winners if you look at every horse's chance of just winning. It becomes a little bit more complicated, in my opinion, from the way that I see things, identifying who's going to run second and third. Now, look, like I said, I can do it every day. I can do it all the time. I, I ran second in the Keeneland tournament. There was no multi-race bets allowed, so I can do it. 
it's just uh, if I'm if I'm left to my own devices, that's what I would prefer to do: play uh, doubles, season pick fours, pick fives, and pick six. Well, I'm guessing with as much effort as you put into when you do go to a contest, considering the different restrictions they put on, yes, you play the contest, but I'm guessing you've got a bankroll somewhere in your pocket to say, this is for me. This isn't for me to win the contest. This is, you know, this is my across the board bet that they're not allowing me to make. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. uh, All my buddies, we all say, you know, we'll say, oh, I hit that. And, and then you'll, you'll have to you have to clarify, no, no, I hit it in life. We'll say we hit it in life rather than I hit it in a tournament. So you, you got to let, you know, if you hit the exact and you say I hit that, you got to let them know which one it is. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's absolutely, we call them life bets in the tournament world. Now, uh, Jonathan, uh, for, for our listeners that want to see and, and listen to you, uh, you're on the Daily Racing Forum uh, you know, out of the gate segment. Now, is that Friday or Saturday, or uh, do you pick a specific race? How does it work? Yeah, the way it works is uh, I have a three-minute segment on Out of the Gate, um, and I kind of have free reign to kind of do whatever I want. So I typically like to try to find a a multi-race scenario, a double, a pick three, a pick four. Um, This week I did the pick four at Belmont, the the, the pick four that we're actually going to talk about. Um, And so that comes out usually Friday mornings. Uh, It's all over Twitter. It's on on the DRS website. And then on... Tuesdays at 11 Eastern, and on Fridays at 11 Eastern, myself and Peter Thomas Fornatel do a, a DRF Players podcast. You can catch it live, and you can also catch uh, the replays uh, either on our Twitter pages or on, on DRF. And just an hour-long show kind of doing what you do. We don't have as many guests as you do. Most of ours is just like talking, you know, Tuesday we recap the weekend, and Friday we kind of preview the upcoming weekend. So a lot of fun, a lot of contest talk, strategy talk. Um, but it's a lot of fun. So those are the three places that uh, you can catch me the most often. All right. Remember that, everybody. He just told you. We're talking with the 2015 National Handicapping Champion Tour winner, Jonathan Kinchin. We're going to pay some bills here, take a quick break, and we come back. I'm going to ask him to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound bag as we look at the pick four at Belmont Park. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me again, we're talking the 2015 National Handicap Tour winner, Jonathan Kinchin. We've talked about his background. We talked about his approach to races. Now we're going to talk about how he's looking at the Belmont card this week. I figured we could probably only do four races in this segment. I hate to, you know, press the metal, pedal to the metal, but I'm going to have to. Uh, we got a Breeders' Cup winning your in race, starting with the seventh race, uh, the interesting distance of seven furlongs, of course. Course at uh, at Belmont Park, it looks like a six furlong race at your average racetrack, and uh, in this race, we've got the return of Mind Your Biscuits, who may be the greatest New York bred of all times, uh, who went over to Dubai and won the Golden Shaheen uh, at six furlongs. It was kind of muddy that day, but not they don't have a deep mud over there. Uh, Joel Rosario back in the saddle, so it looks like he's the one to beat, but you got stall-walking dude who's just been amazing. He spits out 100-plus buyers every time he goes to post. And then the, uh, shall I say, lightly race unified, six lifetime starts, four wins and a second. Uh, Jimmy Jerkins uh, has been hot of late. Jonathan Kinchin, how are you looking at this race? Yeah, I mean, Mind Your Biscuits is obviously the class, right? I mean, you can't, like, all the things you mentioned, the, the race in Dubai, the Malibu out in California. I, here's my concern. It's, it's, you know, not that he can't win at, at seven, but, you know, it's kind of his biggest races have been at six, not counting the Malibu. To me, I feel like this is a little bit more of a setup spot for Mind Your Biscuits because I would anticipate they plan on running the table at Saratoga this summer in the, uh, in the, in the grade one stakes they have going up there, so... Look, I'm going to play him. I'm going to use him as an A-horse and, and pick threes, pick fours. But I'm really interested in Unified here. I love the idea that horse is running at seven. He's shown the ability to run further. He should sit right off of Green Grotto. Unfortunately, Green Grotto last, got him last time. I think Unified will sit right off of him and uh, get first run, first jump on mine, your biscuits. And another thing I love is off that short break for Unified, you notice that his last work was at three furlongs. For an old-school trainer like Jimmy Jergens, that makes me think that the horse is fit, ready to rock and roll. If he wasn't fit, if there was questions of fitness, I think they would have maybe put a little bit more distance into him. So for me, it's going to be unified. Well, I'm a huge Candy Ride fan. If anybody studies uh, you know, the, the pedigree, he and now his sons are just spitting out winners left and right. And they can go short, they can go long, and obviously just missed by a neck, two green grotto uh, in the carter. Uh, but you never know with Jimmy Jerkins if he was saying, uh, you know, that's not the biggest race on our plan. And that workout you mentioned on the 5th of July was uh, 35 the best of eight at the distance, you know, when you can stretch your legs at 35, you're feeling pretty good. So, uh, Jonathan Kinchin, got no problem with your picks in here. Obviously, obviously, uh, mind your biscuits, the class, but uh, unified as lightly raced as he is and in good hands is a huge danger. Well, then we come up to uh, the Beaumont Oaks Invitational. Again, Oaks, like the Derby, will be for three-year-olds, but... Uh, it being at Oaks means that the girls will be going to post. And, um, 
this race, uh, I, I felt bad for my friend Kenny McPeak, uh, who just went over to Europe with Daddy's Little Darling, hoping to run at Ascot, and Daddy's Little Darling just had a head fit and just ran away in the post parade, and they couldn't catch her, and so she didn't get to run. Uh, you know, she uh, ran second in the. Uh, Kentucky Oaks, of course, uh, Abel Tasman has come back to stamp herself as a very legitimate horse, but this is a horse that likes to come from out of the clouds, so uh, we got to make sure that there's enough pace in there. you got you know, Javier Castellano, one of the horses that's probably going to be one of the favorites. She won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last, time, uh, last year and uh, shows a pretty decent foot off her last effort, uh, the uh, Wonder again at Belmont on the turf. And then you got, we're going to see across the card, several interesting horses that have been turned over either to Chad Brown or are shipping in with Aiden O'Brien. No, absolutely. When you see those heroes come over here, it needs to, you know, it needs to be something that catches your attention. Kind of like Bob Baffert sending a uh, dirt spreader east or Chad Brown sending a turf horse west. It's something you need to pay attention to. Um, you know, they all have four legs, but for whatever reason, those Europeans like the grass a little bit better than ours. Look, I, I, I'm extremely, extremely confident in this race. Um, I think you could put Sister Charlie in the 15 post, and she still wins for fun. Take a look at that replay uh, on YouTube. It's the, the name of the race is the Pre-Day Diane, or I think it's the Pre-Day Diane, but um, it's hard to find her. She's in the green silks. Watch the race. She runs second, and then rewind it and watch it from there. She gets in so much trouble and, uh, in, in that race and comes home like a really good thing. Um, uh, a friend of ours on the podcast uh, does sectional times in Europe, in Europe, and she came home in like a, I don't want to misquote the number, but a 6-6-6 six, six, six finishing time with all of that trouble. That's pretty impressive. Uh, she's first time, Chad. She should really, really appreciate this. That last race was off of an eight-week break, and she got in so much trouble. Um, I think she wins for fun gear down in the end. I love to hear that vote of confidence. Uh, and again, I, going back and watching replays is something people forget to do sometimes. I always was a, 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 a person that liked to watch it, but I just did it at my local track. You know, uh, I, I, I love being a, a TV handicapper. Well, we're looking at about four minutes to close. We're with Jonathan Kinchin, one of the top handicappers in the country. And you can see him on the Daily Racing Forms Out of the Gate segment uh, every week. Let's go on to the legendary Suburban Handicap. Uh, this is a mile and a quarter. Uh, it's kind of a strange. They kind of break from <laughs> the end of the grandstand at Belmont. That track's so big. So it's a, it's a short run to the first turn, I guess we say. And in here, you've got some uh, names that you should know. Uh, certainly uh, Keen Ice, Matt King Cole, Shaman Ghost has been installed as the odds-on favorite. Uh, this horse just seems to have uh, retained his uh, conditioning for Jimmy Jerkins. Seems like he can spit out a 100-plus buyer anytime he wants. Thing is, at this distance, has won three of five with a second and has won over $1 million. Yeah, he's, he's going to be tough in here. And for the sake of time, so we can still hit the, the Belmont Derby a little bit, I, I really don't think this is a very interesting race. I don't see how Shaman Ghost loses. 
I'm going to play a little bit of follow me, Craig, defensively. I thought that horse was eliminated at the start last time uh, at Santa Anita when Cupid won the, uh, the Gold Cup. So, but for me, it, it's going to be a lone A single in, in all of my multi-race plays with Shaman Ghost. If someone beats him, I can't honestly say that I would have found the horse, so I'll just stick with him. <laughs> you and the handicapper at Belmont Park. Well, then we get to stretch it out a little bit in the Belmont Invitational. Uh, we're going to have a larger field, 11. Uh, but once again, we've got not one, not two, but three Euros uh, shipping in. And uh, they're all very interesting in their own right. And we got some you know, legitimate hometown horses uh, like like Oscar Performance, who won the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year, uh, and the uh, Japanese-bred Yoshida. Jonathan Kinchin, how do you weigh in on this one? Well, people that, that aren't familiar with, 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 with me, we um, the day after Yoshida broke his maiden at Keeneland, we talked about him on our, on our wrap-up show on Tuesday as a maiden, and we said, this horse is going to win a greatest stake. This horse is impressive. Jose Ortiz rode that day. Wired the, wired the field at, Bell, at uh, Keeneland. It was pretty impressive. Joel comes back at Pimlico, misses the break, takes him back to last, and the horse wins for absolute fun without ever being asked. This is a special, special horse with a very interesting breeding. Uh, but I am also going to use Arklo. Arklo was very impressive at Churchill Downs. Watch that tape back. Wide trip all the way around there. Yes, the inside wasn't where you wanted to be on the turf course during Derby and Oaks weekend. But Arklo still ran huge. I'm going to use those two. And then I'm going to save a little bit with my pal, Good Samaritan, who uh, I bet on probably 17 times. And also a little bit of Oscar performance because you never know when a horse is going to get loose at Naira on the turf. <laughs> Jonathan Kinchin, man, you've been great. I asked a lot of you today, and you came through in time. I can't believe you've got all these selections memorized in your head. Well, listen, have a safe ride back to Austin, and I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. We've been talking with Jonathan Kinchin. Don't forget, you can catch him on DRFs Out of the Gate every week right now. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that was Jonathan. We had the other John on, John Court, one of the classiest guys in racing. Uh, you know, I just I, I love that man. He's great. I'm going to see him next week at the Indiana Derby, a race we will be handicapping here on Winning Ponies. Don't forget, come on over, pull down your easy win forms because we've had some humongous hits over the last couple of weeks. So I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, our guest, John and John. And I want to wish you nothing but the best. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.